Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to talk about the two styles of training that every student hates to roll against. So every now and again, students will come to me and they will complain about the way another student trains. 99% of the time, the offenses the student is committing are very minor. It's nothing crazy like so-and-so held a choke until I went to sleep or so-and-so didn't respect the tap, now my arms hurt or they were talking trash about my wife, nothing like that. But I do get complaints quite often and I wanted to highlight the two, by far the two most overwhelming complaints about the way you may be training. And I wanna talk about how to train with students that train both of these different styles now one is super obvious so we're going to start there and we're going to talk about the guy that treats every round like it's the adcc finals this guy is seen as a spaz he tries as hard as he can to win the complaints are so-and-so rolls too hard so-and-so only uses strength so-and-so grabs my neck and just squeezes whether he has a real technique or not you guys know the deal you guys have complained about this guy before and you guys have been this guy before We have all been the spazzy guy that wants to win, the guy that treats every round like it's a life or death situation and we will do anything to win. And now while we might, let me take that back, while we might not do anything to win, it may feel like that to our training partners. You know, you'll grab a straight ankle lock out of position and just go for it as hard as you can. And people hate training with the person that trains this way. And as I said, you know, This is probably the overwhelming majority of the complaints has something to do uh, along those lines. And I was really, and I remember the first time a uh, senior student brought to my attention how hard I trained. I had actually, I hadn't started training at Brandon's yet. I was about eight months in. So this was right before I started uh, training at Brandon's. But a blue belt at my first school just told me, he was like, hey man, like, you know, I, I like, he was being really nice, but he was like, you know, I enjoy like training with you and I know you love jujitsu, but you go way too hard. You're spazzy. You, you end up kneeing or kicking me in the face every other time when you roll, just calm down. And that talk has been used thousands and thousands of times all over the world at every jujitsu gym. We've pretty much all received it, especially people that are very, very competitive. Now, I really want to talk about how to train and how to deal with guys like that. And even on a more like extreme note are the upper belts that are maybe getting ready for competition or maybe they just like training really, really hard. And so while they're not spazzy, and I don't get, again, as many complaints about upper belts doing this because while they may kick your ass, it's so under controlled that... You know, you don't really have a lot to complain about, but some guys will still be like, man, this, you know, this purple belt just, he's trying to tap me a hundred times. It feels like he's trying to hurt me, or it feels like if I don't tap, he will hurt me. And you're going to deal with both of these, um, in my opinion, um, you're going to deal with both of these the exact same way. Well, the first is rec- uh, recognizing that you don't always have to roll with that person. And choosing the times to roll with that person is crucial. So whether it is the six-month white belt that's super athletic that is, you know, picking up some movements, but he's going as hard as he can, he outweighs you by 50 pounds, and he's a spaz, and you feel like there's a risk of injury, or the brown belt that's getting ready for Pan Ams, and he's just mowing through everybody, and he asks you to roll, you can always decline that roll. 
Now, whether you are honest about why you decline it or you make up an excuse like, hey, my my ankle's a little sore from the other day. I, I'm just going to do one or two rounds and then leave. That's up to you. You know, I always think honesty is the best policy, but honestly, I've lied before to not roll with somebody. So I totally understand if you guys do that as well. And I was in the phase, especially at brown belt, where well, purple and brown, where I was just trying to murder everyone. So I totally understand people like not wanting to roll with me, especially, you know, if they were already sore from training that week or maybe sore from something else. And then they, you know, they're working a nine to five and they see me coming at them like, man, this is all this guy does. This is his, like life. I, I'm going to stay clear for tonight. So that, that's always going to be the first thing I tell anybody that comes to me with that complaint is like, well, just don't roll with them or limit your rolling with them. But when you do decide uh, and when you do roll with them, there's a couple of things you can do that will help you um, get the most out of those rolls. And the first is, is a mindset thing. And if it's with the white belt and you're in more of an upper belt, especially if you're like a purple, a blue or purple belt, if you're a black belt and you can't control a spazzy white belt, then I don't know what to tell you. But, you know, I totally understand being a blue and purple belt and having trouble with guys that are super spazzy, you know, and being frustrated with rolling with them. Well, the biggest thing is control. You have to see this as the closest simulation to a self-defense situation. And the more you submit them, so let's say that I try and tap out this spazzy white belt to prove a point. I try and tap him five times. Well, each time I tap him, it resets and I give him space. Now I'm just asking to be kicked in the face. And every time I submit him, he's just probably going to try a little bit harder. And I dealt with that in the past, being frustrated with guys. And I realized like, man, the, the thing to do isn't to like try and put them in their place or the way to put them in their place isn't to go just as hard uh, as they're going to try and embarrass them or try and make them feel dumb because, you know, I, I just beat their beat their tail no the, the thing to do is to control them and once you get a control position the most important thing to do is to calm down from that control position you need to lead with technique with them and it really puts a huge like i think it, like a light bulb flickers in their head after a couple of times of rolling with you and they feel that you're using way less energy than they're using they'll generally start to calm down when they roll with you but what do you expect if you roll with somebody and you match their energy they're going to think that they're doing what they're supposed to do and then they're rolling at a pace that you're comfortable with and so that's always my go-to now is like no okay if I'm rolling with like a spazzy big white belt or you know a new guy that you know doesn't really know anything I just control him I might submit him once or twice or three times but I'm definitely not trying to run a submission train on him Uh, really all that's trying to do all that's going to do is it's going to boost my ego and it's also going to kind of lead them deeper down the path of spazzing and having to use more energy because they want to avoid that feeling, you know, and, and to them, it feels like, especially if I'm going that hard and I'm trying to beat them, like that's what they're supposed to do and that the technique will come later. They don't realize that slowing down and really, you know, picking your moments to explode and be strong is going to further their jujitsu more. I mean, they're brand new guys. Now, a little bit trickier 
is the brown, the purple, brown, or black belt that is trying to kill you. And that is, you know, usually trying, uh, when you roll with them, they're pretty much always trying to just submit you as many times as, as you can. Now, there's some people that love training with these guys. I read it on forums all the time, and I even talk to students. They just love getting their butt kicked. They feel like they learn their best and that they're getting the most value out of their training when they're rolling with somebody that can tap them five, six, seven times in a round. But I don't think that's where the most benefit and where you're going to learn the most. Like really what you're learning is that you're tough and that you can take a butt whooping and come back. But I just don't think technically you're going to see much progress rolling, especially if you're constantly rolling with someone that's beating you that bad. And it can be scary and it can be overwhelming. There are times that I have used, you know, a couple, especially if students, I feel like they're kind of challenging me. They're wanting to show me how good they're getting and they're rolling at a competition pace. There's times I'll put my competition pace on them and I can feel how scared they get because again, it's overwhelming and they feel like they can't defend themselves. Well, the, the big thing that I would do when I'm in that is I would either a, like if you're in the mood and you really want to, you know, go in for that challenge, like, cause regardless of what you do, that brown belt's going to try and kill you. Now you can go in with a competition attitude and just see where you stand and see, you know, how many times uh, you can get tapped or not get tapped, I guess is the thing to say. Or you could go in with a specific in objective in mind and to me, the biggest one would be to get some type of clinch, some type of guard position. Or if you end up on top, like really try and slow the game down. Try and play at a pace that is slower than the brown belts. And even if you get beat, at least when you get tapped, it's not going to be the vicious taps. Generally, where you're going to get viciously tapped by guys training at that speed is when you resist. So if you're scared of rolling, you know, competition speed with that guy and you, you know, right now in your mind, you're thinking of the guy at your gym that rolls super, super hard, uh, that you're kind of scared of when it, when it, when it comes to him putting submissions onto you or her putting submissions onto you. Well, if you, you know, end up in a bad position and an armbar, for instance, and you're defending like your life depends on it, they are going to put everything into that armbar from breaking the grip to then maybe possibly even putting in breaking mechanics. And so you can go and you can train really hard, but when you're starting to get close to the submission, just tap, tap early, tap often. And what you'll find is that usually takes the thrill for the competitor, like the thrill they get out of it. And just from experience as a brown belt that was trying to, to murder people at times, I would always slow down or even like, okay, like this guy clearly doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to go competition speed with me. And I just would choose my training partners more carefully. But if I feel like you're resisting and you're wanting to go hundred percent, then I'm going to keep using you as a training partner. But as I said, you know, if I feel like you're getting into these positions and you're tapping early and you're trying to slow things down, then I'm not going to keep calling on you to, to roll. I'm, Hopefully your training partners are intelligent and they'll get the hint that, okay, this guy isn't, you know, he's not really my, my competition, um, training day, uh, partner and having that awareness at, at, at first as a grappler, if you are an upper belt, it's super important that you have that awareness and that recognition that man, some training partners probably hate the way you roll with them and you really need to pick your partners carefully. Um, and those are, again, that's probably the most, those are the, the two most overwhelming complaints I get from the white belt spaz to the 
purple or brown belt destroyer. Very, very rarely. I mean, me and Brandon, we don't really, man, I've really changed the way I, I roll. Um, you guys have heard me talk about in the past, like, again, I used to really count submissions and try and just murder people as much as I could. But generally, I'm, I'm really focused on certain techniques when I roll. I'm really just trying to get like a cup, maybe like one or two taps, maybe three. But I very rarely tap guys more than three times. Um, very, very rarely. If you're a visitor that I think has some skill, I might really go after you. But we even had a couple of guys visit the past couple of days, and one was a brand new purple belt, the other was a pretty much a brand new blue belt, and they were there to train. And I mean, I just flowed with them. I definitely didn't like go at them like I was trying to to murder them. So it's generally more of a purple or brown belt thing. But this second complaint and the guys that, you know, I'll hear guys kind of say about it, uh, kind of say kind of snide things about training with this type of grappler. Um, it's pretty common and it's really funny to me. And this one is always, 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 always an upper belt. It's usually right around purple belt. And it's the guy that does the limp noodle or he relaxes super hard and he doesn't move. So like you're on top of him and he just lays there. He kind of plays possum guard or he plays some type of super relaxed guard. And people really get butthurt about training with these guys, with guys that train like that. They just complain that it's not realistic or that it's not fun and they can't get any work out of it because you know, whatever works, you're just letting them do. And then they'll do some type of defensive counter. And now you feel stupid because you're getting submitted. We all know this guy, right? I think every gym has got this guy. It's usually like an older purple belt. And this purple belt, he's, I mean, you got to have some skill. He's really intrigued by defense. And he loves some of the, the kind of that idea of the gentle art. And he's really like tough to put away. So, you know, he really tests your techniques. A lot of times these guys will let you put them in submissions. So you're a white or blue belt and you're going in like, okay, I'm going to try the move of the night on, you know, this guy tonight. And you get there and it just doesn't work. And it's super frustrating. It makes you feel like you're not very good. And to me, this guy really challenges people's gym egos. But I also really understand why people don't like training with this guy. Now, here again, I was this guy at one point. I really started, uh, I really trained for probably about six months where I was really focused on being as relaxed as possible. And I was letting people put me in different submissions. I was letting them take positions. And I, I really learned a ton about defense. I think it's a phenomenal tool to use to get better at some of the more invisible parts of jujitsu. And you can really, really improve your jiu-jitsu training this style. But at the same time, it's not very realistic. And I definitely do not think it's something uh, or a way you should train all of the time. And it can also really hinder your training partner's ability to get better. So I really do understand because... While this is the exact opposite, and what's funny, uh, the two biggest complaints are the completely opposite grapplers. Like some people are like, man, I just wish this guy would calm down. But then if he calms down to the point where he's letting you do whatever you want, people hate that too. And so it's kind of one of those like, it's like a lose-lose situation. Like if you calm down too much, people hate it. If you're too aggressive and too competitive, people hate it. And you really do kind of have to find that medium or training partners that, you know, either want to go super hard or want to take it super chill. But um, yes, it, it, it can be very difficult to progress and to get better at techniques training with a guy like that because since 
you're well first you're going to get uh, zero feedback on a lot of the techniques that you're using so if you were wanting to work your guard passing those guys generally just let you pass you know and so boom now you're missing at least one fourth of jujitsu or if you're wanting to you know work on you know your submission setups these guys will generally just let you get into the submission setups and again takes a huge part of jujitsu out really all you're working on is your finishing mechanics or your ability to pin so generally guys when they're training that way they'll focus on being as efficient as possible and working their escapes from pin positions or um, offensive uh, submissions and again that's really good work to do sometimes I think it's like phenomenal work to you know focus on your pins and to try and submit like hey this upper belt's gonna like let you put them in a triangle and let's see if you can finish it. let's see what your finishing mechanics look like but if you're always training like that your jiu-jitsu is going to suffer um, and I, again I, I think it can be very difficult um, for both or especially for the guy that's like relaxing all the time to understand that and it's just unrealistic when somebody just lays there, it's like, man, you know, you've really taken out, like all you are doing is the art of jujitsu. You have taken out the martial side. You are completely open to strikes. Any type of extra combative movements you are open to. Or even if I just decided to be super mean and I wanted to put my knee in your neck or my knee in your chin to make you move. Because those guys, generally what's happening, and here was my mindset when I was training that way, to give you guys um, you know, just a little insight to the way I, that, that people that train that way think, is I had I, an idea, a couple of ideas of how I wanted to defend. So maybe I'm really good at escaping uh, mount. So I would just you know lay there and I would allow my partner to mount so I would just keep my legs completely straight thank possum guard you've seen Gordon Ryan play this multiple times just hey I'm really confident in my mount escapes I'm just gonna lay here pass you can pass my guard you can go to neon belly I'm gonna give you zero submissions zero look at submissions and the one place I'm filtering you towards is mount well once they get to mount once your opponent gets to mount since you are already playing that in your mind, you already have all these natural defenses in, or you've already got your kind of game plan, how you're going to escape. And so escaping effortlessly and turning the position is super easy. So it's really not as magical as it looks, that guy that's like, man, that guy just like effortlessly laid there. Like, no, you just fell for his traps because you took the one thing that he was giving you. And generally, if an upper belt is giving you something too easy, it's a huge, huge trap. Same thing, if I wanted to work on a submission escape, Let's say it was the rear naked choke. Well, I would let you take my back. I would just show you it, whether it was in turtle or I would just show you my side. You'd pass my guard and I would just show you the side. You'd put your seatbelt in, you'd take my back and I would show you the rear naked choke. But again, when I'm escaping these, when I was escaping these rear naked chokes, like without using my hands, I had already set up so many defenses that my partner wasn't aware of. So Blue Belt would be thinking like, oh, I've got his back to the perfect, you know, rear naked choke opportunity. Well, I wasn't just going to let you put in a fully clean rear naked choke. Like, no, I was always cutting a little bit of an angle or using my shoulders a little bit to kind of push the choke off. And I was using weight distribution ideas to also make the fo- the choke less effective. So while it was magical and it really has provided me some really cool footage, um, you know, over the years, it's not as crazy as it may seem because again, my whole focus was that. And so everything I'm filtering you towards 
is the rear naked choke. It's not like you caught me by surprise in a rear naked choke and I escaped. It's like, no, mentally, that's the one thing I was going to give you. You went for it and uh, you couldn't finish because, again, I was doing all these little things you couldn't you couldn't really feel. You might be able to feel a little bit of it, but you know, I just was spent a lot of time in that position, more time than especially the people that were trying to finish me. And so, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's not as magical as it may seem. And you shouldn't feel as bad when you lose to guys that train like that because it is so different than normal training. I always tell guys like, no, you're beating yourself. When you lose to a guy that's playing like that, it's purely because you're trying to take way too much from him too fast. And it's funny, though, like people get so frustrated training with those guys that they rush their positions. They just move from thing to thing to thing. It's like they're trying to you know, prove a point to them that, hey, if you train this way, I'm going to embarrass you. I might be, you know, a blue belt and you're a purple or brown belt, but I'm going to show you that you can't just relax and let me do whatever I want. Well, when you take that mentality into that role, you're doing exactly what the defensive player wants you to do, and you are going to make a mistake, and that mistake is going to be capitalized on. Now, training with those guys. For me, the biggest win, if I'm training with a guy that's trying to like super relax on me, first, it's the ultimate test of patience. And so I am not going to take a position that is freely given to me. So I am going to make this person move because if he moves first, I've already won the battle. He's waiting for me to take five movements in a row. And if I take five movements in a row, generally towards the end of that movement chain, I am going to filter myself into whatever escape he had planned or whatever, you know, defense he has, uh, you know, in store for me uh, from that chain he was he was giving me. And so take a position and just count in your head to a minute. Make it the most boring role ever. If you have to hold side control and just use light shoulder pressure, I wouldn't even try and kill this guy because those guys get a kick out of how hard you're working. So even if you beat that guy, in their mind, they're playing a different game. They go, oh, well, I was relaxing and and using maybe 30% of my energy. So-and-so is using 100%. So even if he tapped me, I still won. So it's a, you cannot win that situation. And so, again, I do resist the urge to go 100%, resist the urge to like, I'm going to open you up with just the hardest shoulder pressure I've ever done. And relax, okay? You relax on top. Don't go as slow as they're going, but just go, you know, 20% uh, harder and just hold them there. Be as patient as possible. See how long you can pin them there. And in your mind, Again, your whole goal and the path to victory is making them move and making them uncomfortable. And when you can make a guy that is playing limp noodle and playing super relaxed, when you can make them uncomfortable, you've won. Whether you end up submitting them or not, you have won the role that day. So I've really learned a ton over the years um, about my finishing mechanics as well from training with guys that train like that because they are incredibly difficult to put away. And so you can also go, okay, I'm going to try and finish this arm triangle that this guy is obviously giving me. You know, this purple belt isn't just sticking his arm up high above. Like he's clearly giving me an arm triangle because he's got some arm triangle, either things he wants to work on or some things that he's having tons of success with and he wants to, you know, use it on me. 
Well, I want to just see how good my finishing mechanics are because at the end of the day, if your finishing mechanics are at a world-class black belt level, you always win, right? I mean, you don't see guys at the top level go, hey, I'm going to let Marcelo Garcia put me in a rear naked choke. Like, no, you're going to sleep, right? Um, again, you very, very rarely see these like magic escapes at the high level. And when you do, it's incredible because you really know that that guy's got a defensive mastery, um, a level of defensive mastery that that is super, super impressive. But really go out there and work on your finishing mechanics and really focus on the efficiency of it. Because if you go out there and you try 100%, you try and squeeze, you try and break this dude's neck in an arm triangle and it doesn't work, well, now you do kind of look like an idiot because this guy on bottom's not trying, you know, he's trying his hardest not to try to use pure technique. And here you are just ripping on his neck and going, you know, a thousand miles an hour. And now you're leaving this role frustrated. You're leaving this role feeling like you're not any good, that... You know, or you start blaming the other guy because he doesn't train right. Whatever it is, you're not you're not going to enjoy that type of training. So take those things into consideration when you are training with that guy that's rolling at 30%. That's that defensive wizard at your gym that's super frustrating to roll with. If you take those couple of ideas, you'll find that you can really benefit from training with them um, as well as training with guys that train super, super hard. So I hope that helps, guys. And man, again, I hear, I hear those complaints at least monthly. Uh, about at least somebody at the gym is doing one or the other. Usually, it's the first one. Guys go too hard, but I do hear probably every other month. You know, somebody being kind of tripped out or, or not enjoying training with the guy that's you know just relaxing the whole round. So. Let me know, guys. Let me know if there's anything I really miss, if there's like one style of grappler that I really miss. Now, obviously, you know, there's smaller subsets of each one of those, but I think those are the two big ones that everybody com has complained about at least once in their jujitsu journey. Till next time, guys. Peace.